0: So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 172 of the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast. Today, I'm here with Bette Lucas. Bette is a repeat guest, so some of you will recognize her from episode 40, which we were trying to figure out how long ago that was. It was a long time <laughs> since we're on 170 today. It was 132 weeks ago. I guess we could just figure it out that way, do the math there. That's a long time. And um, Bet also has her own podcast and um, does her own thing. But she is from Gig Harbor, Washington, where she is an executive in the energy industry she's also a mom of six and the last time she was on the show she was a mom of five so we're gonna talk about that and dig into that but as i mentioned she's a podcaster herself um host of the big bold life podcast that's the name of it right did i get it right you did you're perfect jen uh, well, I don't know about
1: that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely not perfect. But welcome, Bet, and I'm so excited to have you here. And I know a lot of our audience already knows and loves you before we even get started.
1: Well, Jen, I'm I'm just so honored to be back. It's hard to believe that it was episode 40 when we first did this interview, and. As many of your listeners know, you were so kind when I was starting my podcast to be my first guest. My first guest, I
0: I love you. It's the teacher in me. I love for people to start a podcast, write a book, do anything exciting because it's like you know paying it forward. My I'm happy to help you and mentor you, and that's like what gets me really excited.
1: And you know, in that moment, there are people that are really. I mean, they really help me I look back in my 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 life and you were that person for me and you thank you you gave me a real calm approach to my first episode where I I think some people you would interview you'd be like so nervous and you were just like no we got this and this is gonna be great and so I will always be grateful to you Jin for many reasons that being one thank you well you know
0: elementary teacher that's those are our skills you just named them all
1: oh, well, <laughs> that's what we can do that's well, why I love you so much thank you but
0: you've had some really amazing guests on your show
1: you know uh you know my podcast is all about living boldly in the areas of health career and family and really coming into each of our own boldness and and so I have to kind of I guess exhibit that in my quest to get guests. And I have right. I've been so fortunate. I I've had some people that I really, really look up to in the in the health sphere. Everyone from you know you and Cynthia Thurlow and uh, She's amazing. She's amazing. Dr. Fit and Fabulous, she was great. I've had Dr. Ted Naaman, Marty Kendall, mm-hmm. a lot of your guests. Dr. Ken Berry was a hoot. We've just had so much fun. And for me during a time of COVID and less travel and less customer interaction, right. gosh, what a blessing it was to connect with people all over the world and and hear their story and hear hear some of their bold perspectives. And even though I don't do everything that my guests share about, you know, I right. I, I have guests sharing about all sorts of health perspectives, career perspectives, family perspectives, and and that's been just so cool because I feel like I get a glimpse into their world and it's just it's just been the the most beautiful experience, especially during this time, I would say.
0: I think you're right, because we have lost a lot of the connections over the the scope of the pandemic and and just being able to connect with people, even as we weren't able to travel or go anywhere. We were still able to connect with people in a way that that feels like a meaningful like right now, you and I, it feels like a, a good connection like yeah. we're sitting here together.
1: Yeah, and probably Even though you're all the way across the country. All the way across the country and probably if you would have told us that, you know, 10 years ago, would we have uh, believed that? I don't know, but it feels very genuine and I feel like I walk away with being better. I just I really do every time I'm like, "Oh, I just I gleaned so much from that today." This is Right. Uh, how blessed am I, so well, I'm, I'm just so
0: glad to have you back. And, you know, we told your story already before in episode 40, so everybody can go back and listen to that fully. But let, give me just a little summary just for people who have not listened to episode 40 or who don't remember because, Lordy mercy, I have a hard time. People are always like can you remember the name of the person who... Um, and I'm like, oh, God, oh, stop. Because that's a lot of names to remember. So. It
1: is. <laughs> but you know who
0: remembers is Roxy. Oh, of course she Roxy does. Roxy Marino. I'm like, like whenever in, in the Delay Don't Deny Social Network, whenever someone's like, does anybody remember the person? She was a nurse and she did this. And I'm like, tag Roxy. Roxy. <laughs> and she knows. She knows. But... let's just remind everybody about your story. Um, You know, what brought you to intermittent fasting? When was that? Just the brief synopsis of that.
1: Sure. So quite really quickly, you know, I think a lot of people can probably resonate with my journey and you don't even need to be a mom of young children. But effectively, I, I was a busy mom with a lot of young kids. I had hit a point in my health journey where I was never someone who was who struggled with obesity. I was never someone who I was always decently active and 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 what I would call decently healthy. And yet through my motherhood journey, through growing my career, through kind of all the things that we juggle in this life, I hit a point after I had had four kids in five years where my Okay, approach to my health or my acceptance of this is this is just how it's gonna be with my health and loving myself where I'm at just wasn't gonna work anymore. I, I had I had realized that, that that worked to a point, but my health was taking such a back seat and I knew something needed to change. I knew it, but I didn't know exactly what it was, Jen. I was really I'm like, well, I know my health needs to be more of a priority, but how and when? I mean, I, I had no extra time in my day. You right. know, I'm I have a very big, big career. Um, I was I was trying to continually show that. My growing family wasn't going to uh, interfere with my career. At the same time, I'm trying to show my family that my career is not going to interfere with them. And it was a very, very complicated time. It just, it just trying to navigate all of that. And so, Here I am. What do I do? I pull out my health tool belt that I've always done, you know, in my from my 20s or in college. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm going to eat less. I'm going to move more. And yet I'm going to eat a little healthier. And I think that worked a little bit. I started getting a little bit more confidence. I started feeling better, just moving a little bit more. And I think that's what movement provides me is that more mental health component. And yet it still wasn't really moving the needle and I still was pretty frustrated. And so then I um, kind of tried this concept of, well, I'm gonna cut the cream out of my coffee. And that really seemed to move the needle for me. I, all of a sudden I was stuck at, I think it was like, seriously, I think it was 168 pounds. I remember this number. I had been moving more, doing more, eating less, Mm -hmm. and I was still stuck there. And I'm five, seven, 168. For some people is great. 168 for some is not great. It's we all have different perspectives. I knew I was still not at my healthiest. I knew it. So fast forward, I'm trying all these things. And then I try the concept of building my plate more around a protein and some vegetables. So that naturally, just those two things made me less hungry, Jen. And that's how I arrived on the doorstep of intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting, what I would say is it took those tools in my tool belt It added a new one and it kind of put the gas. Yeah, it was like the gas pedal just accelerated. Like I could accelerate that much more. And it was like this freeing feeling that I had finally found tools that worked and that worked for a busy mom, a busy person. And it wasn't like I felt like I was adding more to my plate. It actually felt like I had more room, more space and I think that's why I, myself and so many others, including yourself, want to share about different tools that are finally right. working because it is very freeing. It is very much what we want for all people that feel like not the world is, is caving in on them. Because if you looked at me, I was successful. I was happy. Yep. I was all these things. But I was I was struggling to figure out how the heck health fit fit into that, and I am so grateful to find tools that didn't add one more thing to my life in in a bad way. It just added more freedom, more more joy, and and really more health. And today, you know, after now I have six children, and they are eleven and under now. Um, I range from eleven years to eight months and an in age, and. I am, I just feel great, Jen. My energy's high. I feel very much like I have tools now in my tool belt that I want the world to have because no matter how they tweak them to their journey, I believe they are the tools that will make them feel their best.
0: See, I think that's key. I love how you talked about tools. You had tools in your toolbox already. Mm
1: -hmm. We all
0: do. We all did. We all found tools along the way. We knew what made us feel better. We knew what tool, like for me, for let me just throw out keto slash low carb. That was a tool I kept trying to pull out because I believed everybody who talked about how great it was for them and they had great success with it. But that tool did not fit me. Right. (laughs) I kept trying to pull out that tool. It's like I was trying to, you know and a nail with the with the pair of scissors or something, it wasn't the right tool for my body. But you've got to figure out the tools that work for you. And when you when you pull them together and you can assemble a toolbox for yourself, it's not going to look the
1: same as mine. Exactly, exactly. It's going to look different. And and even we should be constantly evolving as, you know, I'm sure your fasting journey looks different today than it looks, oh, yeah. you know, a few years ago. And,
0: Absolutely. And
1: that's where these tools, you can keep saying, oh, well, this might work really well today based yeah. on where I'm at. Or, you know, maybe I'm menopausal or maybe, right. maybe I'm, you know, postpartum, whatever that may be. So uh, that's really been been helpful for me on my journey.
0: And and supporting your body at whatever stage you're you happen to be at right that moment. Like for me, my postmenopausal body is different than my body just from a year ago when I was still going through the transition. My body is different now. My skin is different. I, I think that as we age, I I do think we have to be a little more mindful of what and how much we eat. You know, I'm having to be a little more careful. And I'm noticing that. And You know, I I could be like mad about it and choose to say, you know what, my body's letting me down. After all these years of intermittent fasting, I'm having to be a little more careful about what I eat. And I'm having to say, oh, gosh, I really probably shouldn't have ice cream tonight or whatever. And but instead, I'm like responding to my changing body.
1: Yes. and And
0: understanding that it's a different phase. I've got different hormones circulating in my body now than I did a year or two or three or four. It's very, very different.
1: It is. And I think the more we can just kind of embrace that. And mm-hmm. you know, I think when Cynthia was on my show, she said, you know, we just gotta put our big girl pants on, people. Yes. And yeah. we just gotta say, you know what? Sure, I want to have my chocolate every night after dinner. But you know what? Maybe uh it's better if I have it like once a week instead of right. Every single night and accept that that is where I'm at today and what my body needs. And instead of just saying, oh, you know, like you said, it's my body is letting me down. It's failing me. no.
0: It's not. It's a different season of life, and my body has gotten me this far. And I've just, you know, it's 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 going to change. It's going to be different. So let's talk about you and the 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 postpartum. And you were a or the prepartum, even I don't know. Was that a word? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like pre pregnancy, pregnancy, right. now postpartum.
0: Right. Exactly. So you, you know, you were an intermittent faster for how many years before you had your sixth child? Call or before it, you got pregnant.
1: Let's call it two years, I think. So okay. you
0: were, okay, see, that's that's the part I wanted to, to really focus on right now. You were an intermittent faster for two years before getting pregnant. So you were used to intermittent fasting, and then, boom, you're pregnant, and now you have to change up what you're doing.
1: I love talking about this, Jen, because Good. it's a world where... It's people kind of tiptoe around it we know that you're not supposed to fast while you're pregnant and breastfeeding and all these things and yet there's all these women out there to be honest whether they're they're admitting it or not they're nervous about getting pregnant if they are an intermittent faster or they' you know, they're nervous about getting pregnant if they are fearing weight gain, even if they're not an intermittent faster, I hear it over and over or I'll get yeah. like private DMs like that. Yeah. I'm really what nervous. What did you really do? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I will tell you that anybody, no matter intermittent fasting or not, you get pregnant and your hormones are all all the things and you're trying to figure uh, yeah. out how does this work with intermittent fasting? And I, I, how do I now transition to something that's totally different? Feeding my body for a growing baby. And Jen, I will tell you that my opinions may not, may be different than yours and, and different things, but the advice that I give is that there's a lot of different definitions of intermittent fasting and there's a lot right. of, bit of different definitions of just normal eating and i would say for me that i was just real i realized when i was pregnant that i just because i was pregnant just because i i was saying okay i'm not fasting now still didn't mean i needed to start eating the moment that i woke up right mm-hmm. and keep eating from until the end of the day so i tried right. to take the tool of intermittent fasting and say okay what are the best choices for me and this baby also, do I need to have cream in my coffee? Okay. No, I do not. Sure, I could right. add it back in. I could bring it back. But but I know how that that helped me not having that in when I wasn't pregnant. It probably still will help me when I am pregnant. And so would you call the fact that I didn't eat breakfast the moment that I woke up and I didn't eat dinner the right before I went to bed? Was I intermittent fasting when I was pregnant? I, I don't, it depends who you I mean that's where I know yeah. it's a touchy subject and I, I'm I'm literally I'm purposely saying this because I'm not joking how much I get asked about it yep and see, we can't say here is exactly the number of hours it's okay to wait
0: before you eat if you're pregnant and this is we, we can't do it we Correct. can't do it. there's never been there's not going to be an intermittent fasting study on pregnant women Correct. Ever. It would not be ethical. It would not be approved. So, Because you would have to have a group that did it, a group that didn't, where we can say, so um, we want you to nourish your body. We want you to listen to your body and eat in a way that feels good, but not try to force your body into an intermittent fasting paradigm
1: exactly and you can use those tools of intermittent fasting and say okay now i'm not intermittent fasting but what are some things i learned on my intermittent about fasting your body. journey and about your body right and and then what did i learn by getting healthier i learned that even though i want to eat that whole carton of ice cream even though i want to and even though i'm going to get a dopamine hit Is that really best for for me and that baby or is it hey I'm going to have one scoop of that ice cream and you know what that that meets that meets what I want right now I'm not restricting myself but bottom line your body, when you're pregnant, you cannot eat everything you want to eat. You cannot do it. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's, it's a big girl pant moment, people. And I'm being, I'm being the bearer of bad news today because we have kind of, think that we can just let all health tools go out the door when we're pregnant. And this is not a, a podcast. And it's the opposite. It's the opposite. It
0: really is the opposite. You know, when writing my my new book that's coming out, Cleanish, available for pre-order. Yay! That's <laughs> why I have to keep saying that. Anyway, um, January 4th, when I was writing that, you know, I always knew how important nutrition was, but I can remember... What to expect when you're expecting. Yeah, You know, back when I read that, back in the, the 90s when I was pregnant, I had one son in 98 and one son in 99. And then I stopped. I did not be a Bet-Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> Bet-Lucas. I, I was not a Bet-Lucas. I stopped after two. They They're close together, but I stopped after two. But, you know, I remember being, like, kind of irritated at all of them telling me what to eat and how to live and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm just going to take this prenatal vitamin and I'm going to be perfectly fine. Yes, and then writing cleanish and researching. And then I felt really dumb. I'm like, that was so dumb. Right? You know, <laughs> what to expect when you're expecting was right. <laughs> they were not wrong. They were, they were right. And, you know, it was just my naivete and not really understanding and thinking that prenatal vitamins would solve anything, any problem.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And I just the advice I want to give to people out there is number one. Do not fear, if you want to have a baby, do not ever fear the, the fact that you're going to gain weight in pregnancy. Oh, yeah. get, number one, of, of course, I hope you're that You're going goes, to. You are going yes. to. It's just, mm-hmm. it's the reality. It's a beautiful thing about yeah. your body that is growing a baby. It's such a miracle. But at number two, do not think that just because you get pregnant, that you throw out all that you have learned to get you to this point. And your body needs you to be as strong and as healthy as possible, not just for that baby being pregnant, but then after the baby arrives. It supports you.
0: Yes. Yeah. And we really do need nutrients. We need to eat a variety of things. We need to eat Lots of veggies we need to eat, just oh, f- eat the rainbow. <laughs> and and our body needs all those things. You know, I can remember with Cal when I was pregnant with him and um, I guess it was it was 97 because he was born in March of 98. So I guess it was like the fall of 97. I went through a phase where I was eating nothing but creamed spinach.
1: That's just what, I what you like, wanted.
0: <laughs> I wanted it. And I had never in my life eaten creamed spinach. I don't even know where. They, all of a sudden, I was like, you know what would be really good is some creamed spinach. I was eating Stouffer's creamed spinach at the time. And I would eat it for breakfast. I would run out of it. I'm like, Chad, go to the store, get me more, get all the creamed spinach that they have. And I just ate it, ate it, ate it. But my body was craving that. And and I don't know, maybe he was growing something that needed the spinach, whatever it was. But you know, you got to put in those nutrients.
1: Yeah, because I think it's really easy, no matter who's listening today, that we can kind of be little grazers all day and pick foods that aren't really high nutrient there, but they, that's what's there. And then we're wondering why we're feeling like we're going to raid the pantry yeah. late, later. And that really applies to anybody on their health journey. And, and especially with intermittent fasting, it helps you choose better better real foods. And instead of kind of, oh, I'll have 10 Cheerios and I'll have my cream coffee and I'll finish right. the macaroni. Your body was telling you what you needed.
0: Exactly. And I listened and then I got over that craving and I didn't crave it anymore. You know, I was like no longer eating you that. You probably so whatever never
1: I- want to see it again in your life. Well, no, I
0: do still love cream spinach. Oh. <laughs> it's still delicious, but it was just something my body was really craving that. But you know, the more nutrients we eat, the better our body responds, the better we feel. And it does give us that feeling of satiety more than, than when we eat, you know, ultra-processed foods.
1: Totally. I could not agree more. And then, you know, Jen, I'd love to share a little bit about kind of what that means during the breastfeeding time, too. Absolutely.
0: That's important because that we get that question a lot, you know, in the intermittent fasting world. Is it safe to do intermittent fasting while breastfeeding? And one thing that really actually hit me when I was um, writing Cleanish and doing the research, you know, um, our whole world is different now Yes. than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's just it's just gotten we've gotten more and more exposed to just toxins in our environment that are built up over time. Mm-hmm. Things that are that are there. Babies are born. i will talking about this in Cleanish. Babies are born with all these chemicals in their cord blood now. Right. And, you know, it's, it's it's in our bodies just because you can't help it. No matter how much you try, you're exposed to things at, everywhere you go, even at your house. You know, we live in a house that the people that were here before us must have had some kind of heavy-duty pest control because two years later, we still see dead bugs, right? You know, even though we haven't had pest control, right. they had somebody. That, so my house has got residue from, you know, since the 70s. Lord knows what's in this house. And you just have to live your life, and you can't live it in fear. But these toxins build up in our fat cells, and they can get passed to our babies during breastfeeding. And so the whole that was kind of the aha moment for me, you know, because people were like, well, you know, over time, humans are designed to be able to live through famine, you should still be able to nourish your baby, how's your milk supply, intermittent fasting should be okay, if as long as your milk supply doesn't suffer. But now understanding the toxins that are stored in our fat cells, it, it really made me realize that breastfeeding is not the time to be trying to empty out those fat cells, if that makes sense.
1: Right, right. And, the you know, the 911 calls I get or the DMs I get are yeah. the moms that are breastfeeding, you know, they're, they've are they been breastfeeding for years because they've had baby after baby or right. they are two-year-old, they're still breastfeeding or they're one-year-old. And they're but, Beth, what do I do? I don't – I'm at this, like, really tough spot. And I I don't want to be a broken record, but I think – Again, that a lot of the tools that we had before, the lot of the tools that we had before, and the same tools I applied during pregnancy, you can apply those during breastfeeding. You can choose the healthiest foods. You can move your body for mental health. And do you need to... Not telling you you don't need to indulge as much doesn't mean I'm telling you to restrict either. And I, I think there's a fine balance there that we need to I don't know how I say this that that we can find there that it's not all hope is lost it's not one extreme or the other but I do think that breastfeeding moms out there feel pretty like I, I'm at a loss on what to do because I'm being told I can't intermittent fast, I'm being told this, but I'm starving, I'm starving all the time and I can't seem to lose the body weight. Like I can't seem and I reassure people that it wasn't until I actually really um, stopped breastfeeding, right that weight actually came off. And I would just like to encourage
0: those women. I get it. I remember I had my two babies 18 months apart. So I know what it's like to be ready to get your body back, right? You know, and feel like you, but it's really not your body again until that baby's weaned. And if you choose to breastfeed for, for a long time, that is, that is a great choice for you and for your baby, but you're focusing on nourishing that baby. And not getting your body back. Because I promise you, I'm sitting here as a mom of a 23-year-old and a 21-year-old. And when this podcast comes out, he'll be 22. But Because we're recording this you know, before his birthday. But I promise you, there will come a day when they are not being breastfed anymore. It, <laughs> you know? It will happen. It's not a permanent phase of your life.
1: Right. It's such a beautiful thing and I have never been an amazing breastfeeder. I've always like just had that just enough this last time I had actually the most issues with breastfeeding which was really oh, goodness. A, really humbling because she was my sixth. Um but you should be a pro. You should be great I at it. Yeah, I was a
0: te- I had a terrible time with it with my with Cal. He was 5 weeks early. And so he c- couldn't latch on. Oh. And I felt like such a failure. This was 1998. I was crying. I called the nurse. I'm like, "He just cries and cries and cries and he won't eat and I can't." She's like, "Give him formula."
1: Yeah. I'm it fed. And I is, felt like a
0: loser. I'm like, "What? No, no, I can't. I'm breastfeeding."
1: Right. No, it's it's fed fed is best. And right. at the end of the day, I just Want to reassure the moms that you're not a failure. I know you're getting mm-hmm. asked by every nurse, every doctor, every person there that, are you breastfeeding? Are you breastfeeding? Right. You should be and breastfeeding. And then you feel like when you say no, <laughs> then you feel really bad. And yeah. Yeah. I, I there are some people that are just super human, amazing milk producers. And there are some that are somewhere in between. And there's some that really, really struggle. And yeah. you are not alone. You are not a failure. And And it is, it goes by so fast, no matter how long you breastfeed, it's such a short period of time in your life.
0: In the scheme of things, it is a very short time of your life. And, you know, you look back and, I mean, there's so many years ahead of you to really focus on losing the weight, losing the fat, you know, all of that, but... I would, I would encourage everyone to not think of breastfeeding as the time to the time when you're trying to lose fat and just really the understanding of now that we know about all the toxins in our fat cells, not to scare anybody, I don't want to scare anybody because that's never my goal, but you have to understand and be educated about it and be like, gosh, you know, they certainly weren't facing that 50 years ago. Totally. We're in a different world. We
1: are in a different world. And you
0: can see our health has gone down. It has. Over time. We're not healthier now than we were 50 years ago. And children, you know, as someone who was in the classroom for so long, a teacher for 28 years, I have seen, you know, in, in 1990 when I started teaching, kids changed a lot between 1990 and 2018 when I retired. Right. Huge. I mean, it is. So many more health problems in the kids and. You know, I, that's why I, if I could go back, I would do things a lot differently as a mom.
1: Well, it's actually, if you look at like my dad's like school picture, um, whether people want to hear this or not, in my dad's grade school classes, there was not one kid that was overweight. And I knew that's
0: what you were going to say. There was not yeah. one.
1: And, and it was numerous classes. Like I looked at it. There's not one. And I'm sorry if we look at most of the class pictures or or you go to a playground, um, the amount of, of kids that are struggling with mm-hmm. their health already is um, it's pretty dramatic difference.
0: It is, and you know, we're not saying this to you know to, to fat shame kids no. or anything. And you know, I had no idea. I and I talk about this in cleanish. Also, you know, me as a mom, and I had no idea how much it mattered um, what we feed our kids. Again, I was raised on feed. Just give them a vitamin. So, because I, I was like, my mom gave me a vitamin. As long as you have a vitamin, doesn't matter what you're eating. It's this magical vitamin. <laughs> What you know what? That's not how the body works. And so we're, you know, I gave my children ultra processed food because that's what they liked, right? Yes.
1: And of course, okay. that's what
0: they liked, because that's what you, we give them. And it can be hard to get a kid to eat nutritious food. So how have you, what have you done as a mom? I,
1: think, I think the tool that is applied to my health journey and uh, that is applied to my health journey that I apply to my children is try not to buy it as much. Right. So you don't, you know, per, you don't have to be perfect. You know, you can call it the 90-10 rule or the 80-20 mm-hmm. rule. Or, clean or ish. clean-ish. clean-ish, right? But, right? but at the end of the day... I really, really believe that you just need to buy less of it. So does it mean that I never buy treats, that I never buy a processed food? No. But does it mean that the majority of my decisions, I hope as a family and for me, for instance, lately, I know that if I buy white wine and dark chocolate, I will consume it. It will be Mm -hmm. gone and I will consume more of it. More than you intended. More than I intended. The wine leads to more of the chocolate, right? Totally. So what does that mean for me? That means I'm just going to buy less of it. And so Mm -hmm. does it mean I will never have it? Absolutely not. I will still have it. Does it mean by not buying it as often... I consume less of it the same is true for your children and your family. Yep. It it Well, I've got natural. my dry
0: farm wines in the pantry. The you know, I'm not drinking red wine right now. Um but white wine, I still love it, but I keep it in the pantry and it's not chilled to keep me from just grabbing it and having a glass on a whim. So, it's same kind of a thing. It's just not easy to get to. But if I had it in the in the wine fridge
1: and it was cool and ready to go, I might just pull it out and have some and it's it's so true. It's just that accessibility. And so right. and then number two for me and our family that's really worked is the same tool that I say is that I try to build. For me, I like building around a protein and then having the vegetable and then an optional mm-hmm. starch for the children if they right. want. And I'm not anti starch, I'm not anti-carb. I'm not I am all things, but I find, okay, tonight it's chicken. And then what's with the chicken? It's broccoli. Oh, tomorrow it's it's we're going to have steak and then we're going to build and we're going to have rice with it and we're going to have a salad like that for me is a great starting point. It just helps me direct the meal more. Now, does that mean we don't have uh, spaghetti with meat sauce? No, does it mean? But again, that tool really can apply to my journey on intermittent fasting and eating healthier for me and what I've found works for kids.
0: And you have the food available and you, you that's what they have to choose from. You're probably not making six different meals for all the kids at the table, right? Exactly.
1: It's been one of those things where we're constantly learning. We're constantly trying to do a good job. I'm also, you know, I do, I did mention this in episode 40, but I do share with ki- the kids if they ask why I'm not having dinner or why I'm not having breakfast that day if I'm fasting. And I do think having that conversation with your children on just not eating because I'm telling you to eat. Now, does that mean right. there's certain children you're going to need to tell them they need to eat this so they don't come back to you in an hour saying they want popcorn. That right. that there is a fine line yeah. there. Yeah. But just like us as adults, we need to when we choose to eat The more we choose to eat something nutritious and satiating now that's highly nutrient dense now, the less likely we're going to go choose something crappy in that pantry later. And the same applies with our children. But I'm going to contradict myself here. That also does not mean (laughs) that we make them eat just to eat. If it's really, you can tell, I think you can tell the difference with your children. And it's going to take some, you know, dancing. No one's perfect about it. But if your daughter wakes up or your son wakes up, the minute they wake up if they tell you they're not hungry, do not make them eat yet. Like
0: 100%. Don't yep. do
1: it. And because you Don't
0: ever force the kid to eat something if they're legitimately not hungry. Correct.
1: Now if it's just that they don't want their Brussels sprouts and eat chicken and they want to instead have an ice cream bar, you need to be able to know the difference. Right. Yep. Or I mean, you can even say, you know, I understand
0: you're not hungry right now. This is what we're having for dinner. I'll put it aside for you and you can have it later if you're hungry.
1: Exactly.
0: Let that be the choice instead of like, well, that part's over. Now it's time for ice cream, right? Totally. It's
1: so it's such a but those those things can work. That's why I think we sometimes think it's more complicated with kids or more complicated for us. I'm like the same tools can apply and help you.
0: Right. Right. So, would you say all of your kids are are good eaters, adventurous eaters? Did you have some picky eaters?
1: You know, so I am a big believer that we should offer all foods to them, expose them to foods, and even if they think they don't like it, even if to continue to have them try it. And I always try to tell them that your 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 food tastes do change in life. You know, when I was little, I hated mushrooms. I love mushrooms now i actually didn't really like tomatoes uh that much like i liked them but i didn't love them i love tomatoes so i think there are things your taste buds change and i think the one mistake that people make is that they think that their kid doesn't like it they'll never like it right and again it's that fine line of not forcing it but yes if your kid only wants chicken nuggets and french fries Of course, they're going to end up only liking chicken nuggets and french fries. Especially
0: if you only give them chicken nuggets and french fries. And that's what I did. I fell into that bad trap. Yeah. Not realizing. And so here's your chicken nuggets and french fries and your vitamin. No, no, people. No, (laughs) Exactly. But I actually talk about this also in cleanish that I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but there's research showing how many exposures kids need to unfamiliar foods before they will eat them. And th- there's a number, it's like an average. And so... It's, it's shown through research that if you continue to present these foods, eventually, and the younger you do it, the better. That's the thing. If, you're, if your kid is 15 and you've never presented these foods, you're going to have a harder time than if your kid is little. So... Anybody who's got, you know, going to be having kids in the future, congratulations. Now you can start from day one and don't make the mistakes I made of say, oh, one, one refusal means no. That's not what that means. You keep offering it and they will eventually eat it. They will eat what's there. Um, I know it's not the same thing. I was just watching The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they were out in the woods eating worms because they were that was all there was. They ate worms. And so I'm not suggesting that. But if that's all your culture had, that's what you'd grow up eating. And in that culture, obviously, we're not in the zombie apocalypse. But, you know, kids will eat food because they're hungry,
1: yeah. I am telling you that it's it's one of those things where we think, well, this is all they ate. Well, if that's all they, if they didn't have that, would they just starve? Would they just no, starve? Kids no, kids don't do that.
0: They do not starve to death. Those kids in those countries that eat grubs or whatever they eat in those countries or whatever the traditional diet was. I'm sure my ancestors ate weird things. You know, I've got some Scottish blood They're They're eating haggis, whatever that is.
1: Exactly, and I I just want to encourage you that to offer that, and then maybe just offer a little less of the crap. Like, right? It's it's just one of those things. No one needs to be perfect at this. No one is perfect. The, like I, oh, jo- I sure wasn't. I w- sure wasn't. And the fi- the billions and billions served on the McDonald's sign didn't happen because your fitness instructor never took her kids there. I guarantee. Right. Like, so yeah. I just. But I I do believe that it's super. Super important that you keep offering those. You show it to them. Yep. And then another tip is have them participate in making mm-hmm. it. So yep. ha- kids love to cook. And even if it's they're young and you want to make, let's say you want to make kale chips. Hey, have them put the kale down. Have them put, you know, sprinkle some coconut oil or whatever you want to put, salt and pepper. Maybe you want to put some nutritional yeast on it. Throw that in the oven the more that they experience it and the more they try it, they're going to surprise you. That's
0: true. The research is clear on that as well. Even if you are you can go to like growing it. Yeah, not everybody has time or the the talent to do that. But if you are someone who loves to garden, have your kids help you grow the food and then prepare the food. And if you're like me and you're not a gardener, start with the going to the grocery store and picking it out together. But I also really believe that it's important to teach them about nutrients.
1: and and what
0: our bodies need and to really let them know our bodies need nutrients that we get from the fruits and vegetables. And did you even know, we don't even know what all of them are. You know, we, we haven't even identified all these chemicals in these foods and our bodies need them. So let's see how many different things we can get into our bodies and make it a game. Let the kids help you pick.
1: Yeah, I think we've really lost what, you know, what are the highest nutrient foods and telling the kids about it because maybe they're not listening to you today but think of all the things that your parents told you when you were young and then all of a sudden you didn't maybe follow it right away but that sunk in later and I really believe today a lot of the things my mom my dad my grandparents showed me in their actions but also showed told me are, are kind of coming full circle. You know, my grandma always was emphasizing healthy eating and movement for our mental health and movement for our muscles. And I know you and I, you know, I'm I'm probably a little bit more on the, you know, I eat a little bit more probably uh, animal protein than you probably. do. Probably, yeah. Um, I am, uh, but for me, you know, that is also a very high nutrient food. And I, I love to... I love to kind of walk through that with the kids on the importance of those things, because what you eat does impact how hungry you are later. It does. And it's
0: building your body.
1: It is. It's, it's so really important. the
0: building blocks of your body. And again, the message I got as a kid was, you know, my mother was eating these vegetables, but if I didn't want them, that was OK. Here's some SpaghettiOs and a vitamin. Right, And that is what I internalized. And then I carried that on to my kids. And now I feel, like I said, that sounds so dumb saying it now. But that is really the message that I got.
1: Yes. And I think that that's a good message just for us all to remember that there's no shortcuts to your, no. to your health. There is not there's no
0: magic pill. The magic is in the food. <laughs> and and we really don't even know. But when I said that before about we don't really know what all the things in the food, all the phytochemicals are. There are thousands of chemicals in a tomato. And to assume it's just the whatever and there's the one magical thing, it's not. It's all of it working synergistically together in your body.
1: Right. No, it's it it is. And I think that's where fasting can play a role. Obviously mm-hmm. not for your children, but right. there's just all these things that you know, we wish that when we went to the doctor, and there's some doctors that do this, but they'd prescribe, you know, fasting, sleep, uh, a, you know, healthy food, and movement. And the doctors that are prescribing it, some people don't want that. They they want the pill. They want the right. easy shortcut. And, you know, you and I, we've had history of wanting the shortcut, too. We, oh, yeah. We I went get to the it. doctor, and I got the pill. Yes. I got the pill. <laughs> <laughs> but we've learned now right? we've learned now that that there are no short, shortcuts but there are tools out there that will make a difference that we didn't have before you know these are some powerful tools
0: it really is and we're learning about them and we're passing them on and we're modeling them for our kids you know that's the the beauty of it you know, my boys, your, your kids, they're all watching us and seeing how we navigate and watching us, you know, live our vibrant, big, bold lives. Amen. And they're learning, you know, they can, they can do the same thing. I want to age well and show them how it's done.
1: Yeah. It's really, it's never too late. You know, you said you, you, you feel guilty about it. Hey, I you know we have so many things that we've we've learned and there may be things mm-hmm. today that we're doing that we're going to go oh why would I, why did I do that yeah. or why did I eat well, that or you know
0: Cal is 23 he lives in San Francisco with his wife and um he's a vegetarian most of the time he's not always a vegetarian but she's a vegetarian so he eats so different than that little baby that would only eat things that were beige
1: Oh, yeah, I the beige colored, right? The beige food. Yeah, I colored gave him food. everything beige. I'm
0: like, he only likes things that are beige. Ha ha ha! I'm like, oh my god.
1: <laughs> <gonna> say that.
0: <laughs> I know. No, we we've but all I, been I mean- there. You know, he liked vanilla pudding better than an applesauce better than he liked carrots. So I just gave into that. And anyway, but now he eats all the food. So there's hope for you, everybody with the picky kids, the picky eaters that we have created. Don't <laughs> like, give up. Don't give, don't, up. don't give up. Don't give up. You may have a kid who's a little more stubborn. I'm sure that I did. Uh, but if I had kept presenting those carrots, he would have eventually eaten the carrots. Now he eats carrots.
1: Right. Oh, I it love that gin.
0: Took the girlfriend now the wife to get into <laughs> to make those changes. This podcast is supported by FedEx.
2: or text Wondery Pod to 500-500.
0: So let's circle back to your podcast a little bit. You've interviewed some um, some great people on your podcast. What are some of the things that you've learned or some of your biggest takeaways from your podcast from your guests? Can, am I putting you on the
1: spot too no, much with that? No, I love that question, Jen. I think that's fabulous. I think it's kind of... Things that I've now been able to apply and I'm just going to share with your listeners that I am postpartum sick with my my sixth child and I am in my same clothes that I was uh, pre-baby and I'm only about five pounds. I'm about five pounds heavier than I was at my lowest ever pre-baby. And so I want to tell you that I'm so grateful to the things I've learned from my guests on Big Bold Life Podcast because I believe they work. And I believe that that has been a huge reason of why I looked at my postpartum journey after my fifth versus after my sixth. And even though I had some new tools during my fifth postpartum, she was born in 2017, I... I mean, I look dramatically different. I still had quite a bit of weight to lose. I was still kind of you know, struggling to try to figure that out. And it shows that a lot of these tools. So the tools, the top tools that I feel like I've learned are number one, I want to go back to your keto low carb. I am not keto today. Uh, Do I eat low carb-ish? Probably, but I'm not like uber strict about it. I like to think I just eat a lot of real food. Um, You're carb
0: choosy when it comes to carbs. Yep, I'm carb
1: choosy. But I would say an epiphany I had was that when I had first done keto was that the reason I think for me it didn't work and I hated it so much was that I was eating cheese and avocados and not that either of those foods are bad and I was probably drinking cream in my coffee. I don't know. Whatever I was doing. But I wasn't really eating highly nutrient dense meals. Like I still hadn't let go of this like snacky kind of mentality. And and I still think my body for me personally was saying that you need your protein and your veggie meal. You need that or you need two of them, whatever that may be. So number one, if you are struggling and you are a low carb person who's listening and you're like. Low carb, I've hit a stall or I've hit hit something. Are you doing my mistake? Has your keto turned into or your low carb approach? Has it turned into just a cheese dairy fest? Right. And and I would say that's that's number one that I that I've noticed. Um number two, I would say the other thing is that if you're in that sphere, because I notice a lot of your listeners are, a lot of people have taken the fat. Pendulum too far. Right. So Marty and I
0: talked about that as well. And, you know, he was one of the first people in the, you know, keto community to really start saying that he was that, you know because I can just remember even back when I was trying it and struggling with it the, in the keto groups that I was in at the time the way before I had my own Facebook groups but I was still just struggling along not losing any weight but the number one thing they always said is add more fat that was always the answer add more fat and I'm like well I'm really hungry they're like add more fat I'm like well add more fat makes me feel sick well I'll add more fat and I'm like
1: what this, this is <laughs> no no and for, and I think that's where the light bulb I want to go off for all the listeners is that, Mm -hmm. is that every approach in eating lifestyle, there is some truth in it, or there is something that may work for different people like you've written about in your books. But what the epiphany I had was, is it, it still comes back to, if you're going to eat a low fat diet, you probably can eat a few more carbs. Right. And if you eat a higher fat diet, You probably need to eat a few less carbs and it's like, oh, Boom. So no <laughs> yeah. one's, not one group is right or wrong. Right. It's just, you've kind of one group, the f- what kind of fuel your body is burning is a little bit different. And it's kind of like, oh, I have the gas station. I, I'm either burning this fuel or I'm burning this right. fuel. And that's why the carnivore diet that's out there that a lot of people have success on, that a lot of, you know, it's not my eating approach, but, but I think that epiphany of Oh, the reason that it works for some people is they've dialed their carbs way back, but they can eat a lot more fat. The problem is, is when we come to the middle and we say, right, I'm going to eat as much fat as the carnivore guy that I see on Instagram's eating and... I'm gonna eat as much carbs, and it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't work. I mean, it's that's not. Yeah, Melly and I have talked
0: about that on the intermittent fasting podcast. Yeah, Diabolic- that the magic
1: really is kind of on the the two
0: sides of it. And of course, intermittent fasting. You know, I didn't restrict carbs or fat with with my weight loss approach, but since then I've learned about my body that I do better with a lower fat approach. That doesn't mean I'm low fat. Someone's like, are you still doing low fat? I'm like, no, I never did low fat since the 90s. I've never done low fat. But that doesn't mean that I am not more. Like you said, you're carb choosy. Mm -hmm. I am becoming more fat choosy. Yeah. As far as like, do I really need to add that second tablespoon of butter into the rice that we're going to be eating for dinner? No.
1: Well, have you noticed this about yourself, Jen? I don't know if you've you've noticed this, but I sure noticed this. A lot of carbs that I love... The reason that I love them is because of the butter that I put on it. And if or the or the sour cream that I put on it. So what I found is like. Excuse me. I want to even say a full letter carb. I'm like, oh crap! It's the reason I love that baked potato is because I put sour cream and butter on it. The reason I love bread is because of the butter. So if I can't, if if I think of that concept of that middle where the dangerous thing is kind of the carb fat together. Too much of that can be dangerous. Too much of it, yeah. Or and it it problematic for your health journey. Maybe think, well, if I eat that carb, can I have it without my butter? And then if you don't want it. Because it doesn't have butter on it, maybe there you go. Maybe you were only eating it because you like the butter, and th- I'm guilty of that. I could eat, I could eat my body weight in bread with butter, or um, yeah. I could. But if you told well, me, well, I
0: still, you know, I still do. I, I still, I'm okay with carbs and fat together. I just learned through, you know, through the Zoe um, study that my body processes the fats more slowly. Yes. So I should not have too much fat. I can still have fat. I can still put butter on the potato, but just enough so that I really enjoy it. You know, I don't want a dry baked potato. Right. But I also don't want to eat butter by itself. I don't eat butter by itself. I don't eat baked potato by itself. See, it's I think just, I could eat butter by itself. Oh, Is that see, gross? I,
1: I, <laughs> I shouldn't. I'm not saying i am no, telling people. I don't you. want to
0: eat butter by itself either. I like them together. They're friends. They go together. But I'm just being more fat choosy as far as maybe don't add so much heavy cream into that as into that you know meal that I'm, I'm making but that doesn't mean I'm not having any right I still I, I put agree. them together I think that's you know? I think
1: that's true and I think for me I just found that if the more I realize that it it's not too much butter not too right. much heavy cream I have those things but mm-hmm. that shouldn't be your whole diet when you eat keto low carb in my right. opinion it if you're keto low carb you really need to be building around a protein and vegetables and well that's my you opinion. want your
0: body to di- to to tap into your fat stores yes. and there is no magic of if you're eating so much fat your body doesn't have to tap into your fat stores, you're going to magically lose fat. You're not going to. You know, and I know now that when I was trying keto and they just told you just eat more fat and your body will magically burn extra fat. I was eating enough fat that my body was burning that. It was not burning my stored fat. And Jason Fung has a great blog post. It's one of his lesser shared blog posts, but it's something about who needs bulletproof coffee and fat bombs. Right. Right something like that. And it was is like, well, if you're trying to lose fat, you don't <laughs> basically is the spoiler alert. Well, if You're trying to lose fat. Yeah. You don't need that.
1: Yeah. Dr. Naaman, I think when he was on said that 94% of the world is over fat. I mean, right. that's what I think that was his percentage. So I think you and I think very similarly, we love fat, we eat fat, it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world. But we're just again, we have to put our big girl pants on and realize that we can't just eat endless amounts of cream and butter and think that we're still going to ha- be our healthiest.
0: Right it's true and I can always tell if I overindulge and then need to step back a little bit and say you know okay I've been the the butter by the bread has gotten a little thicker time to scale it back just a little and I'll let my honesty pants tell me the story and that's why I'm sitting here in a pair of shorts that I bought what five years ago and they still fit me I love it I love it (laughs) you know and now I have to buy new clothes because the old ones are getting out of style isn't that fun
1: I going shopping for new clothes, if you're ever trying to get through a fast, go shopping for something. And I guarantee you can push your window another hour or two. (laughs) You sure can. Oh, that
0: is a great way to do it. That's exactly right. But (laughs) keep those honesty pants. Let them tell you what's really happening. And then change them out when they go out of style I love that Jen I love it (laughs) well it's true at the beginning of this summer I did I went through and I went through my closet and instead of you know like 10 years ago pulling out the things that no longer fit me I pulled out the things that were just I'm like oh this looks like you know five years ago I should not be wearing this anymore (laughs) because styles do change but everybody you can't see bet right now she's got the absolute cutest top
1: oh it's so fun and it's super comfy
0: it's a dress it's i can just see the top of it she told me it was a dress because i complimented her on it at the beginning and i wish i had you could all see her because she looks super cute oh thanks jen (laughs) so um you were telling the the things that you've taken away from your guests are those the top things
1: i would say one last one would be that don't always assume that shortening your window is what you need to do and I i agree with that i found for i'm found on my journey that when I do more of a one and a half, two meal a day approach, and I'm pretty much a, mostly a two, but sometimes I'm one to one and a half, if you know, whatever. But I always say I'm one and a half to two meal when I'm more that versus when I do one. Right. E- this is not to discount that people can't have success on one. I think it's fabulous. And and please do not let me derail your um, your journey. But if you are finding that you're not making as good a health choices, if you're finding you're starving, if you're finding your energy isn't as high, you're not that zesty self that you should be, and you've been fasting for a while, you're not early in your fasting journey, try doing the two meal a day approach spread out spread out yeah and and then maybe clean fast in between the two heck right. why not
0: like chad does that's what chad does yeah he, so he's like he'll he'll have lunch and then it'll be the middle of the afternoon when i'll open my window and i'll be like well do you want a little bit of this he's like no my window's closed i'm like no it isn't you already ate it's, it's but he likes to think of it as two windows i'm like okay whatever
1: whatever works <laughs> for you chad and- <laughs> Think
0: but he doesn't snack between his meals he you know he has a meal and then he does doesn't eat then he has another meal and that's what he does and of course he's not in the fasted state in between but he he does not eat in between or drink beverages you know in between I think there's like power there
1: I think there's yeah, power not there. snacking
0: constantly mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah I do mm-hmm. and probably last but not least and it's nothing that you haven't you know emphasized or that your guests haven't emphasized but that when I look at the the three things that can inhibit your journey or that might be things you need to delay, not deny, are what are you drinking? At the end of right. the day, um, is it is it the alcohol that's your problem? Is it the cream in your coffee? What beverage may be getting in your way? Are you drinking Even too in much your coffee? eating
0: window, Even right? Even in your eating Even window. in your eating window, that's right. Because I found as I have gotten older that, Alcohol is not something I should indulge in frequently. Yes. Will I ever have alcohol again? Absolutely. You know, I do. I do have alcohol, but I don't have it as much as I used to. And my body changed and I I wanted to feel better.
1: Exactly. And feeling better is addictive. Mm -hmm. And I know for anyone who is having a hard time letting go of your, of whatever it is, is,
0: Mm -hmm. maybe it's ice cream, maybe it's, Cookies, donuts.
1: I know. We walk with you on this. We uh-huh. are coming not from a, a pedestal. We're coming from a right. Hey, we know that you're going to say, but I always have wine with my dinner, and I always have this, and I. Always, and in France, they do.
0: That was what I told myself for a long time. They have it every night. Yes. Why can't I? That inner toddler.
1: I know, and I, I, I'm the same. But you know what? The longer you kind of push yourself on that, the more you're going to feel better. And then you're going to go have that extra wine glass that night. You're going to go, you know, I liked it in the moment, but I really feel like crap right now. And I like right. feeling good. And exactly. I like making good f- food choices. And so I think it's what you drink. It's cheese. I really think people need to just, that's one problem area I noticed. I agree. It was one for me. And yep. nu- <laughs> And nuts. Yeah. So it's, because
0: they're very they're energy dense
1: they are so energy dense and,
0: and while we don't want you to count calories if you overeat you won't lose weight it, that's it bottom line and they're very they're very easy to overeat
1: I can eat a Lay I could eat a Lay's bag of like the small oh, yeah. little one of-, of nuts. Like I could do yeah. that and most people are like mm-hmm. I can't just have it. A- so that's another food where I just have to it's a treat not at a given and it used to be like oh I have cashews every day. I have almonds every yeah. day. I and right now I just find that those three things can make a huge difference if you just tweak those a little.
0: Well, Beth, thank you so much for being here today and everybody find her podcast. It's called say it for them living your big bold life podcast awesome thank you Beth. thank you jen do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell email me at jen at intermittent fasting dot com and i'll add you to the lineup that's g-i-n at intermittent dot com. the world wants to hear your story that's it for today remember i may have a doctorate but i'm not a medical doctor so don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonate recordings.com or email them at hello at resonate recordings.com. Intermittent fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too.